They're having a block party on my street. I don't want to go outside. Welcome to the Fuck It Diet Radio. I've closed my window so you can't hear the children playing Halloween games. Um, It's really cute, actually, but I have nothing that I want to really do out there. I don't know. I don't know why I'm feeling so antisocial, but I, I am. I don't always. I just don't feel like going to a block party on my street. But that's what I get when I buy a very, very tiny house in a very, very, like, family neighborhood. They're nice. They're all so nice. Well, I actually wouldn't know because I don't really know them. Let's move on. This is the Fuck a Diet Radio. My name is Caroline Dooner. And while there's a block party on my street, I am recording this podcast episode. Podcast episode. Podcast episode. Because... I have waited far too long, and I've been meaning to for the past week, and so it has to be today. This podcast is now essentially brought to you in part by my Patreon page, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Caroline Dooner. There you can join for as little as $1 a month. It supports the podcast and it also gives you access to asking questions for the podcast and connecting with other podcast insiders over there. And also, I post some things over there that I don't post other places. I post book excerpts as I'm going through my manuscript. Um, And it's a place that I think is just going to continue to grow. So if you have any interest in kind of joining on a pay-what-you-can scale for uh, Fuck It Diet newbies or alums, go over there to patreon.com slash caroline tuner. That is my name. I didn't make it patreon.com slash the fuck diet because I, I always worry that I'm going to like get shut down for having a bad word in my title. It's kind of, it's something that has already affected me. Like I can't do promoted posts on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram because I have a bad word in my thing and I can't trademark the name either. Anyway, over on the Patreon page, basically you can influence the direction of this podcast, both with your questions and with your feedback on the kinds of segments and um, kinds of episodes that I do. So I will see you over there. And today we are, we, me and my microphone and I and the children in their cute Halloween costumes on the street, we are all going to be answering questions that were asked by podcast insiders on patreon so let me find them as usual i have not gotten anything up and ready so i'm doing that now okay so um here is the first question from prissy she says i was wondering i made progress lately about letting go of the fear of gaining weight and eating more progress i've been trying to achieve since last june but every time i think i really stop worrying and counting because it feels so good to be satiated my mind goes back to worrying about how hungry i get and thinking oh my how can i be hungry i just ate 800 calories not two hours ago and things like that and actually the calculator in my head has not stopped completely Um, so this is very, very normal when you're trying to get away from counting numbers and overthinking the food you're eating. It's just a habit of the way that your brain, um, 
is used to working and it's it's essentially a coping mechanism because it it's very distracting it distracts you from everything else in your life it's almost a way to it's almost like a compulsion to make you feel safe um, and feel like you have control but that doesn't help you when it's happening because it's still happening so it really does just take time and trust and persistence but one of the things that I was able to do when this would happen is I um, I completely changed my understanding of how important it was to have calories and to have food to heal a metabolism so it started to become I sort of just like switched my perspective on it so it became ah um, if I'm hungry I haven't had enough food And it became, have I eaten enough food today? Have I eaten enough food today to let my body who, if it's, if you're, if your body's really, really hungry, it's one of the reasons is because it's repairing from years of dieting and years of being on what felt like a famine to your body. So have I fed my body enough to make it know today that it is fully fed and that there is no famine anymore? Um, That is one of the best it's not a mind game because it. I actually really did learn that we had been, we had been, I keep saying we, but yeah, we as dieters have been looking at calories in a really unhelpful way because when we do this restrictive thing, all it's doing is making your body conserve and making your metabolism lower, which biologically makes your hunger hormones and your appetite higher. So really... It really is about making sure that you have fed yourself enough to um, let your body calm down. And this takes, this can, this often takes months and months and months. So I can calm you down by saying, don't worry. This is normal that this is happening and nothing is wrong. And can you switch it around to being, have I had enough food today? Am I feeding my body enough? Ah, I ate blank amount of calories. I don't recommend counting calories, but for a brain that's used to doing it, switch it around to, am I eating enough? Am I getting enough in? Ah, this is how much I ate and it wasn't enough. That lets me know that sometimes that's not enough to satiate me and I'm getting hungry later, which means that maybe in the future I can um, be prepared for this and know that I get hungry if I only had this much, X, Y, Z, whatever. Does that help? Basically, the most important takeaway is if you're really hungry, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you or you're doing this wrong or that you shouldn't eat. You should always eat when you're hungry. Um, And it just means that you need more food. And sometimes that's a lot more than we used to ever think was normal or acceptable and a lot more than other people think is normal and acceptable, especially when you are healing from years of restriction. It's just the way it goes. Um, And I'm sure that other people in the Patreon group can pipe up and talk about their own experiences because I know that almost everyone experiences something like this during the first, you know, many months or even year of the fuck a diet. And, you know, forevermore, but you just won't be so freaked out about it at a certain point. The next question is from... 
Ines, Ines, oh, tell me how to pronounce your name. I'm sometimes really bad at, at pronouncing names. Um, she says, I love that you include spirituality and energy stuff. From this standpoint, would you say that food carries energy, high or low, and is therefore good or crap? Or what are the reasons that every nutritional school, Ayurveda, la la la, promotes unprocessed natural foods? And is being sensitive to food a good thing as it helps to distinguish those kinds of foods? I'm really interested whether at the beginning of your fuck it diet, you reached a point where you could eat anything without gaining any more weight. I already responded. Awesome question. And after a long weekend of having absolutely no control over my food, being a guest in people's house, I can't wait to address this. I went to the mountains with my friend and stayed with his family for a while. Um, okay, for five days. And then Jennifer responded to me and said, oh, I've been wondering the same thing. And do you think allowing all food, a la the fuck it diet, can change that energy? In other words, if you stop labeling a food good or bad, does that change how your body receives it? Ding, 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 ding. You're onto something, Jennifer. I sort of feel like this is true, but then I wonder if it's just me justifying choices. Although also, I don't often want the foods that are bad for me in quotes, or make me feel bad so much anymore. Not sure that there is even a question there, just rambling. What a great question. So if we're going to go down the path of everything being energy and things holding energetic weight that affect you, um, the things you do and think and say have energetic weight that have ripples out and blah, 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 blah. Uh, there's a way to look at this super dogmatically and there's a way to look at it in a, ah, how interesting. Um, how can I sanely uh, think about this in a way that will be helpful to me as opposed to make me in mad and insane. So let me go through piece by piece and answer different chunks of this kind of long question. Just scroll back down because I lost my place. Um, great, so the first question is, would you say that food carries energy high or low and is therefore either good or crap? Um, food carries calories, which is energy. And I do believe in the power of intention, which would be the power of intention when you are choosing and choosing what to feed yourself and feeding yourself and also uh, the intention of the people who are manufacturing or making your food if it's a restaurant. Um, I do believe that that affects things a little bit. However, that can easily become sort of like a very um, nearly orthorexic and purity-based way of, of looking at the world. It's sort of this like, it's the it's similar to the people who get into the law of attraction of like thoughts are things and then they start to really panic about not having good enough thoughts and and when they have fears they freak out that they're you know like manifesting all their worst nightmares so basically my belief is always that dogma is is unhelpful so if we can just like look at this from a more casual perspective, I think that would help us all the most. 
Um, so that bleeds into the next part, which is the question of um, why do nearly all nutritional schools of thought, like Ayurveda, etc., etc., promote unprocessed natural foods? Okay, I'm going to say something that I'm hopefully um, going to be able to come back from, but I even have this in my book, and it is something that I think is actually important to be able to look at it this way. There are shitty foods out there, super processed foods with lots of chemicals in them to preserve them and dyes and this and that. They are shitty foods. They are processed, they are nearly fake, and they are shitty. They're not great. Um, However, does this mean that you can't eat them or does this mean that craving them and eating them is going to ruin your life or ruin your health or is somehow morally wrong? No. And being afraid of them in this dogmatic and nearly cultish way is only going to give them more power and kind of keep you in this vicious cycle of craving them and eating them and feeling bad about yourself and and not really ever letting yourself get to a place where you're letting yourself eat whatever you want and whatever you crave and then learning from that. And there are some shitty foods, and I'm very purposely calling them shitty foods. I know we say there are no good foods or bad foods, but it would be kind of stupid to say that less processed foods and that have less preservatives and less chemicals in them are better than or equal to shit food. Like I, I, I kind of want to be able to spread this idea that yes, there are some foods that are healthier than other foods, but does that mean that, um, that you can't eat all of them? Do you know what I mean? And then slowly but surely start to listen more and more and understand that it will change and you will crave different things at different times. And that when you eat anything, you should never judge yourself for it. You should only be happy that you're not hungry anymore, see how you feel, and move on with your life. Um, so with that being said, uh, you have more control over the energy of food and the energy of sort of like the alchemy of the food plus your body plus your intention when your intention is to lovingly feed, nourish, and enjoy your life, nourish yourself and enjoy your life. If what you want from the food you're eating is enjoyment and feeling satiated and, and you know, tasting something delicious, you are going to be able to digest it better. You're going to be able to extract more of the nutrients from it and detox any of the chemicals that aren't as good for your body because that is how your body's designed. It's designed to take the good and process out the bad. That is, you know, the deal. That's the point. Um, Are you morally superior and are you guaranteed to be healthier if you only eat unprocessed natural foods? No, that's the big joke, you know? Um, Can it improve your health? Sure. And this all should come down to curiosity, self-expression, 
experimentation, experimenting on yourself, seeing how you feel after certain foods, taking away the shame, taking away the fear, understanding that your body can do this. And for the foods that your body can't do, your body will speak up and let you know. Um, so I'm answering this question. I, I always get really nervous that I'm going to trigger people or that people are going to think, oh man, she really does think that I shouldn't be eating certain foods. No, that is not what I think. I really, really think that you should let yourself eat absolutely everything in whatever quantities your body craves because that is the way to heal the biological part of food addiction, the actual um, hormonal fear of famine that actually makes us crave lots and lots and lots of food to try and heal that... Um, that state and also the the relationship with food that's caused by fearing certain foods and feeling shame over certain foods and feeling that certain foods are forbidden and I'm never going to be able to have this again those are the two different sides of the relationship with food that will keep you in kind of a weird stressful non-intuitive place um so I feel like we should be able to say yes some foods are really shitty they're shitty. They're not real food and they're not, they're probably not like inherently the best for you. But does that mean that you can't eat them and be perfectly fine and move on with your life and even be satiated and, you know, take whatever good is in them? No. I kind of forget what the question I asked was. But I, I mean, yes, you should be able to do that. Um, and... And then it gets super relative too. There's a reason why I'm not mentioning any sort of foods because depending on your own diet beliefs, your own diet history, you're going to have some beliefs about what foods are good or bad. And the whole point is, you know, in learning to eat normally, no foods are good or bad, you know? Um, a, a cake is, is not even close to one of the things that I'm thinking of when I'm thinking of shit food. But of course it's all relative too because there are cakes that are made out of um, with love, with the best ingredients that you can find and buy and real butter and real whatever. Um, and I do think that there's going to be more nutritional value and more vitamins and whatever in that cake than in the you know Funfetti Betty Crocker store-bought mix. But does that mean that the Betty Crocker store-bought mix isn't something that you should buy and enjoy? No. You see what I mean? You understand what I mean? So it's all just a matter of feeding yourself, eating what you like, and trusting that you're going to be led to the things that are going to nourish you. And like, actually, that brings me to the next part of this question, guys, because um, really what she's asking are, are there like good vibration foods, bad vibration foods, enjoying your food is going to make um, your body respond to it better and be better for you energetically and otherwise. Being grateful for the food you're eating, enjoying it, um, those are all the ways to make sure that you extract uh, the most good and benefit the most from your food. So then she continues, um, is being sensitive, quote unquote, to food a good thing as it helps to distinguish those kinds of foods? Um, I'm really interested whether at the beginning of your fuck it diet you reach a point where you could eat anything without gaining any more weight. So eating anything without gaining any more weight to me has 
a lot much more to do with feeding the body and it's metabolical metabolical i don't even know if that's a word it sounds sort of like diabolical so it's feeling wrong right now but um when your body feels fed it does not matter what you eat it will maintain a relatively stable weight so I really don't think that good foods, bad foods has anything to do with your body's weight set range. And yes, for me and many others that happened, um, for me it was probably six months to a year in. I still fluctuate as humans do, um, but it's not this kind of dramatic yo-yo and it has very little to do with what I'm eating and way more to do with like whether it's winter or summer or whether I'm stressed or not or whatever. Um, the other part of this question is, is being sensitive to food good as it helps to distinguish those kinds of foods. Yes, if you can tell what foods you feel good on and what foods you feel less good eating, um, that's great, that's awesome intuition. Again, does that mean that you can never ever eat the foods that don't make you feel great? No, eat them. Your body may change and respond differently to certain foods. It may start to feel great eating a certain foods. It may start to feel not so great eating foods that used to feel great. You're allowed to be in process. You're allowed to eat things that used to make you feel bad and see how you feel again. There's just, my desire is to take the dogma and the fear out of needing to do it right all of the time and to find some like perfect, pure, perfectly intuitive like this this um this obsession with like always being so perfectly intuitive is unhelpful because that's not really what intuition is that's not letting yourself um kind of learn from the way you feel after eating certain foods so let's go down to jennifer i've sort of been saying what jennifer is saying but um oh i also should have read i think it's enos i hope I'm pronouncing it right. She also said in another comment, I'm in recovery from a long-lasting eating disorder and at the moment vegetables suck and pastries freaking rock, so no Ayurveda for me right now. Um, yeah, honestly, you need to just follow that. Um, pastries are exactly what you need because it's going to be a lot of butter and uh, carbs and that's exactly what a depleted metabolism needs to repair itself that's what you need right now that's exactly why you are um, craving it and you will crave vegetables again in the future probably and it'll be at the right time for you and it'll feel good it won't feel forced and um, you don't need to rush that timeline because your body knows how to take care of you and knows how to help you crave the right foods for whatever state you're in right now. Um, I've also, I read this book that was talking about how humans kind of have cleansing periods and, um, and repairing periods and that you'll crave different things based on what, what kind of state your body needs to be in. So if you've been in this famine slash eating disorder for years, your body's going to need to be in a repairing um, place for you. And maybe in a couple years, your body will crave more vegetables because it'll feel like being in a clearing. And again, please don't get dogmatic about this. The point is you can't control it. You need to let your body kind of dictate what state it's in and what it needs. 
Um, but Jennifer said, um, do you think that allowing all foods can change that energy? In other words, if you stop labeling food or bad, does that change how your body receives it? Yes, I fully, fully believe that because you're able to actually be present with the food, extract the good, get rid of the bad, whatever that means. Like I'm, I'm when I say get rid of the bad, I mean like if there's some sort of like bacteria on your food or chemical in your food that your body would not like to store in its tissues, it'll get rid of it if you're not in this like, manic fearful state and it'll probably get rid of it if you're in a manic fearful state too but my point is yes your body will respond better which creates a better energetic environment of circulation and flow um, if you are in a place of trusting your appetite and trusting the food you're eating and trusting that you will um, you will you'll know if certain foods aren't good for you ongoing if you feel horrible eating them and you don't need to be perfect at that it can be something that changes morphs and changes as you go through your entire life um and then she finishes off by saying i also don't even want foods that are quote unquote bad for me or make me feel bad so much anymore now that she's on the fuck it diet anyway i hope that that was clear again for anything that's particularly um confusing or if there are follow-up questions on any of these things um i hope you join us over at patreon and you can respond or ask follow-up questions etc etc let's move on there's another post over on the community page tra la la Ooh, so many um all right so okay emma asks Hi, Caroline. I have a question regarding quote-unquote food addiction. First of all, I'd like to thank you for your work and teachings. I took your intuition intensive and have been practicing your eating principles for about 10 months now. I've had some slip-ups and returns to restrictive eating, but now the negative effects of this are so noticeable so quickly. The level of life intuition and trust in myself um, the energy work and food approach has given me has been so transformative and continues to be as my life evolves because because of it. That's awesome to hear. Um, I am just now coming back from a few trials of not eating sugar to see how my health and concentration improves. I always end up eating again, eating it again and feeling for a while like it helps my intuition, energy, and happiness levels. However, I still feel quite addicted to it. I still have so many beliefs about sugar addiction, and on top of that, I have a history of drug and alcohol abuse from which I have been in recovery for about a year and a half. I know that you drink alcohol regu rather regularly, quote-unquote. I mean in your approach, not frequency. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually didn't understand that till I read it this time because um, I really don't drink alcohol that much these days, um, though I did and have and hope to <laughs> Um, yes, it is regular to drink alcohol in a regular way in on the fuck a diet. Okay, now I'm just making it more confusing. Um, and that there have been many studies and theories that alcoholism is not just an emotional and psychological addiction, but a physical allergy resulting in physical addiction. That is fascinating as well. Um, so my question is whether you entertain the idea that certain foods can trigger addiction in the bodies of those who have such histories different from normies as we call them in recovery. 
I realize it is a difficult question to answer with a blanket yes or no. Yes, you're right. It is true. Um, to answer with a blanket yes or no. I certainly believe that dieting, food restriction, and weight loss pursuits are just as much, if not more, addictive. Sometimes I feel it can be both. I wonder if people like myself can move on from sugar addiction with the kinds of backgrounds we have, knowing what addictive substances do in our bodies. Thanks so much in advance, and please excuse the super long question. No problem for the super long question. It was, it was like great to have all the qualifiers because it helps me to kind of launch into a more specific answer. So, so I am only slightly confused about one of the sentences. So I'm going to make an assumption about what you meant. And then if I was wrong in understanding what you said, um, just let me know and I will follow up. However, you said, I am just now coming back from a few trials of not eating sugar to see how my health and concentration improve. I always end up eating it again and feeling for a while like it helps my intuition. So I'm not, so you're saying, a feeling like for a while it helps my intuition, energy, and happiness levels. I'm not sure whether you mean, and I should have asked this in the comment, and now I'm answering this question without asking the follow-up question. But I'm not sure whether you mean not eating sugar helps your intuition, energy, and happiness levels, or eating sugar again helps your intuition, energy, and happiness levels. Not sure, so I, I don't know how to speak to that. Um, but you said, I still feel quite addicted to it. I still have so many beliefs about sugar addiction. And on top of that, I have a history of drug and alcohol abuse. Okay, so... I really strongly believe, and I, I know that there are exceptions to every rule, but this is what I have seen over and over and over again with everybody that I've ever worked with, even people who have um, had histories of drug and alcohol abuse. Sugar is very, very different because sugar is something that your body and brain need constantly to stay alive. And if you're not eating sugar, your body is breaking down whatever you are eating or your muscles and tissues and bone to make sugar for your bloodstream and for your brain. If you don't have enough sugar in your bloodstream, you feel hypoglycemic, which makes you feel very sick and or you can die. It's that important to have sugar in your body all of the time. And our bodies are really, really, really brilliant and they know how to keep it stable and they know how to to break other things down and to create it if we're not eating it but from that perspective we are literally meant to be sugar addicts because our survival depends on it this is very very different in my opinion and experience from drugs and alcohol because Drugs and alcohol will become addictive either physically or emotionally, but they are substances that alter and they are not needed to stay alive. Sugar is literally needed to keep your body running. And so what I say to people who say that they feel very addicted to it is I say, good, you're actually supposed to. And the fact that you keep going on these stints of cutting out sugar um, would make sense 
um, as to why you still feel especially addicted to sugar. So when you're not eating enough sugar, your body is going to wire your appetite to feel very addicted to it because it it really wants you to eat it more. And I often like to say that sugar is addictive like oxygen is addictive. Yes, you are going to crave breathing if you're in a place where there's low oxygen because that is what your body needs to seek that out in order to, to get to a less kind of survival place. And when people go on low, um, low sugar or no sugar diets, um, this this ketogenic process has to happen where the body is breaking down protein and or your own muscles to create sugar for your cells and your brain. Um, and that is a survival state. So there's also kind of like a, an adrenaline high that can come along with that as well because it's literally a survival state. It's a, oh man, we need to kind of do something different. And your body can get used to that state too, which is why reintroducing sugar to people who haven't been eating it can be an adjustment process because the way the body is used to breaking down fuel um, has to sometimes take some time to, to change over. Um, so again, I don't know whether you're saying that when you when you eat sugar again, it helps your intuition, energy, and happiness levels. But that's what I would guess because, um, because we, we need it that badly. So I, I feel like I can connect and calm down and connect to my intuition when I am fed. Um, but if what you're saying is that uh, cutting back on sugar or not eating sugar helps your intuition, energy, and happiness levels, that can be because of a sort of um, adrenaline and chemical high that kicks in in the survival state. So I don't know which one you're saying, but there are reasons for both of those things. Um, let me continue. I know that you drink alcohol rather regularly in your in your approach in the fuck it diet. Um, I, interestingly enough, used to drink so much more than I do now and it has been a very subtle and slow um and I have like nearly a comical amount of alcoholism in my family so uh I'm very aware of, of of I've always been kind of like wondering whether you know what my relationship to alcohol is and I have sort of had this physical reaction to alcohol. I mean, I actually just this morning was like, maybe I have an allergy to alcohol. I feel horrible when I drink. I have a terrible headache. My bottle, my body handles it so poorly. I can barely sleep and we're not talking a lot of alcohol. So I have an interesting relationship with alcohol myself um, that has actually gotten better because of the fuck it diet um, and being more fed makes my body handle it a little bit better but even still I have an interesting relationship with alcohol because I feel so terrible after I drink it um and that's sort of an aside but I was just kind of addressing what you said there but the physical allergy thing is really fascinating and I actually don't know much about that so I would like to read more about that but you say, my question is whether I entertain the idea that certain foods can trigger addiction in the bodies of those who have such histories differently differently from normies, as we call them in recovery. Um, I honestly don't think that we can treat 
sugar and drugs and alcohol the same way because of the biological need for sugar and the reason, the biological reason that people get addicted to sugar. Um, do people use substances that feel good as a way to numb? And is that one of the you know, factors of, of addiction? Yes. And so becoming aware of that is, is really important. Am I trying to escape my body? Am I trying to feel more? Am I using the substance or this food to escape all my feelings? Or am I using it to become more embodied and to be more grounded and feel my body even more? Those are always important questions to ask. But I think, um, I think it's a worthwhile um, experiment to really, really surrender to sugar and see if that heals what feels like a sugar addiction because it did for me and it did for so many other people. And I would love people who um, are already in the Patreon group to kind of pipe up about your experiences because I've heard from so many readers who believe they had sugar addictions and, um, and now are like, I literally could care less about it. And I know that your question is coming from the perspective of, is this different for me because I have struggled with other addictions? Um, and again, only in the sense that we will use anything. I mean, you can use computers and research and workaholism and your phone and social media, you know, as, as ways to numb out that can, can take the place of, you know, other addictions. So we're kind of in a, we're, we, we live in a minefield of potential things that can be addictive. So I think being, you know, aware and vigilant of the ways that we are trying to sort of shut down how we feel. I think that that's something that we always should be doing, but can you, um, surrender to sugar and actually come out the other side, less addicted to sugar? I think I think the answer is yes, and I would actually be really interested to hear your experience doing that as somebody who is, has gone through other addictions because um, I do believe that it acts very differently and that your body's response to it is is very different than, than other addictions. I'd love to hear your response to this thought. I'd love to hear how surrendering to sugar goes for you. Um, and I would love other people to kind of pipe up if they have similar questions or experiences. Um, there's also a book that you can buy called In Defense of Sugar, which is pretty fascinating. It talks about sort of the chemical processes of how we need sugar and how we've, we become quote unquote addicted to it um, by necessity. And it can kind of help take away some extra fear there and that might be a good read for you and for anyone else who feels similarly so that's all for today I think this might be a really really long episode and what's so weird is that when you're recording it in GarageBand you have no idea how long it is they just don't tell you unless they do tell you and I just don't know what button to push no not that button okay um guys thank you for your questions um, thank you for accepting my not pre-planned and rambly answers. And if you want to get in on asking questions like these, you can 
pop over, as they say, to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Caroline Dooner, my name. Um, and for as little as $1 a month, you can join in on this fun. There are few enough people in there and few enough questions being asked that right now $1 gets you access to all the question asking and everything. Um, in the future, 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 if it becomes this big, crazy group, um, it, asking questions might go up to 5 or $10, but that's not the way it is right now. Uh, so get in on it while it's still super accessible. I mean, I hope it always stays accessible. It will always stay accessible, but right now it's extremely accessible. Um, it's an awesome group that I'm super excited about, and it's a great way to connect with other people. If you do not want to join in on the Patreon page, but you do want to support the podcast for no money at all, you can go over to iTunes and leave a good review. And the more good reviews this podcast has, the easier it is for other people to find. It's like an algorithm thing. I don't know how it works, but um, it really does help other people to find it and then to click subscribe or to listen if they see that it's been reviewed well. So that can help a lot if you're interested in just giving the fuck a diet a little boost. And other than that, I will see you in a week or two and I'll be answering more questions or doing whatever because I don't know who I am or what I'm doing and I never make plans and when I do make plans, I rarely stick to them. But you know what plan I am sticking to? I'm writing this goddamn book and it's actually really, really close and it's really, really exciting. And my book agent is in Germany right now pitching it at an international book fair. (sighs) Anyway, guys, you're great. Thank you for listening. Thank you for asking questions. And I will talk to you next time. There was a time when I used to, for no reason, record songs at the end of my podcast's episodes. And... They were often like totally unpracticed and unrehearsed and me playing a guitar, which I don't really play. I like barely play it. Um, And I stopped for a while because it was like an extra pressure to have to like have a song that I, a different song that I was gonna play. And I also sort of worried that it was like annoying or alienating because this is not a, you know, I don't know. Also, who knows? Like, am I going to get sued? Maybe. But I'm going to try to play a song that I don't know very well. But it's a song that my mom, who's not a singer, sang to me once because her cousin sang it to her before she died. It's not funny, but it's it's um, actually a really pretty song. So I'm going to sing it. Um, and I'm probably going to mess it up. And I'm probably re- going to regret this deeply. But here we go. It's a lesson too late for the learning Made of sand, made of sand In the wink of an eye my soul is turning In your hand, in your hand I'm also totally changing because I don't really like what they have. Are you going away with no words?
change the key what do you think oh god help guys this is a mistake I, I i i never promise to give you like a full song from start to finish without me stopping it it's a lesson to late for the learning oh i would go get reason it's too high you got reasons to plan this I know, this I know, it's not very evil, for the weeds have been steadily going. Guys, I didn't warm up. I I'm stopping this. This isn't meant to be.